We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hour number two here on a hump day home and home coming up in just a few minutes. We'll go to the ATL, talk to Andy Bunker, 92.9, the game in Atlanta about what has happened to the Atlanta Falcons. How did this thing go so far south so fast? And what's with Matt Ryan's injured ankle? Will he be back on the field in week eight? We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. Right now it's ZipRecruiter dot com slash enter also the 10 o'clock hour will start in houston with landry locker how big a problem is this for the astros that they lost the opener with garrett cole on the mound his first loss since may 22nd also the latest on the lakers and the clippers and how the clippers bench might be the biggest reason they are the best team in los angeles we start with tom brady however TB12 on WEEI this morning, the Greg Hill Show, asked about the controversy that started with Adam Schefter Monday night in pregame, laying out the case that, well, Tom Brady's house is for sale, his trainer's house is for sale, his contract sets up that he could leave New England after this season and perhaps play someplace else, not just retire Boy, has that started a lot of intrigue across the country and certainly in Boston. Here's what Brady said about that this morning on the EI. I think that's the great part for me is um, I don't know. And I think that's been a unique situation that you know I've been in because I think when you commit to a team um, you know, for a certain amount of years, you kind of feel like your responsibility is to always fulfill the contract. And, um, you know, for me, I'm just... It's been good because I'm just taking it day by day and I'm enjoying what I have. And I don't know what the future holds. And the great part is, you know, for me, football at this point is all borrowed time. I mean, I never expected to play 20 years and I'm playing on a great team. And, you know, it's just been an incredible 20 years of my life and to play for Mr. Kraft and Jonathan, the Kraft family, and for Coach Belichick. And to have so much success, a dream come true. So I don't, you know, one day I'll wake up and I feel like, okay, that's, that'll be enough. And when that day comes, that day comes. And I don't know if it'll be at the, after this year. You know, I don't know if it'll be five years from now. But I don't have to determine those things right now either. So um, that's, that's kind of a good part where I'm at. So I think just take advantage of the opportunity that I have this year and do the very best I could do and then, you know, those decisions come at, you know, probably more appropriate times. Boy, that was some honesty from Tom Brady, who often says a lot of nothing. Sounds, to me at least, Ross, like a guy who is contemplating retirement more so than he is playing someplace else. What do you hear? And do you think he'd go play for another team? Yeah, I was just going to say, Dave, that's what I heard. It sounded like the discussion is whether or not he'll keep playing. Not really a strong thought of playing somewhere else. I'll put it at, and maybe I said this yesterday, I'll put it at maybe 5% chance he would play somewhere else. 
I think it's really unlikely. I think if he's going to continue to play football at this point, he's kind of past going somewhere else. I, I just, I think he'd be more likely to retire than play somewhere else. I think he's too smart. He realizes the situation he has. He realizes that wouldn't be good for his legacy. He realized it would be hard to win a Super Bowl somewhere else. I just don't see it happening. I think that there's maybe a 5% chance, maybe a 35% chance he retires, and a 60% chance he comes back and plays another year at this point. Yeah, I I hear a guy who's certainly uh, contemplating retirement, but look, I love intrigue. I love discussion like this. So I stared at the standings for a good 45 minutes yesterday. And then I put those aside and I thought, nah, equally as important as the standings, as the roster, the personnel, the head coach is the city, is the market, is the location. And you put that all together and it was impossible for me to figure out one place Tom Brady would play unless, of course... For some reason, Jimmy Garoppolo continues to be the 12 for 21 for 150 yards kind of guy that he was in the wet and muddy conditions at FedEx Field on Sunday. If that's the situation, let me just ask you, can you see a situation where he goes to San Francisco, they replace Garoppolo with Tom Brady, that's his hometown, he's got Kyle Shanahan, a championship defense, and everything seems to be into place. That would probably be part of that 5%, but I would say (laughs) unlikely. I don't think, like, if you're Kyle Shanahan, do you want to try to teach an old dog new tricks? And what are you really building there then? You know, like with 43-year-old Tom Brady, not much. Well, I I think it gets intriguing because Kyle Shanahan has that 28 to 10 uh, forever etched on his record. Tom Brady did it to him. 28, 28 to three. You're right. It was at one point 28 to 10, but it was 28 to three. And a lot of people really like that Nick Mullins, who, who had a pretty good season last year. And that being the long term thought that maybe Brady for a year or maybe two and then Nick Mullins. We could talk about this for a couple of hours any day. Tom Brady is good discussion. By the way, he also told WEEI he thinks this whole Netflix thing was all about publicity and he doesn't want to give them any more than they've already, quote, gotten. Uh, Tom Brady doesn't get it on that. He just doesn't understand. Uh, I, apparently, he doesn't understand why that was so fascinating to everyone inside and outside of New England. All right, let's go down to our friends in Atlanta. What we do here on Home and Home is we get the real sense of markets across the country and it's gloom and doom down in ATL because the Falcons are miserable and they are cutting bait. They got rid of Mohamed Sanu, traded him to the Patriots. Let's bring in Andy Bunker, 92.9 in Atlanta. Andy, good to see you. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Can you give us a sense of what the callers, what the fan base is like? Because Ross and I both thought this was a playoff team, playoff roster, high caliber coach, expectations, how is the fan base reacting, and how did it go so south so fast? Uh, well, people are furious for all the reasons you just listed. I mean, it's a team with a ton of talent, a um, ton of veterans, a lot of guys that had been together for a long time and had success before, um, and it, it's surprising. Like, I, I, we've spent a lot of time the last couple of months trying to figure out exactly what's going on, uh, but unfortunately, every single Monday, we're asking the same questions. So... Uh, not surprising to see things start to change this week with the Mohammed Sanu trade. I think, you know, at this point, you start trying to 
acquire assets for the future. Um, the next question becomes what happens to the coach and the general manager and some of the other guys like that. But yeah, fans are furious because we don't really know what has gone wrong. Everybody thought this team was going to be good. I mean, I guess that they just um, overvalued the talent of certain guys and, and they were wrong. I think that they, they got it wrong from a personnel standpoint on a number of different guys on this team, especially on the defense. And um, I mean, that, that's how you end up one and six through seven weeks. Yeah, it does seem, Andy, like the defense is a bigger issue than the offense. I, I'm with you, though. I'm I'm stunned. They haven't had that many injuries this year. I mean, they should be a lot better than this. Who are the guys in particular on defense that have really let them down? Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. I mean, they, they knew going into the offseason last year that they needed to get better in the pass rush and you saw all the other teams in the division make investments either through the draft or in free agency uh, trades to address their defensive lines. The Falcons didn't do anything. The only thing they did was Dan Quinn told us that he was going to work hands-on specifically with Vic Beasley and uh, make him better, and he hasn't been. Um, they've got two sacks between the two of them through seven games, and the team has zero sacks in the last four. Like, it, that's only happened seven other times in NFL history. And if the Falcons can't get Russell Wilson on the ground this Sunday, they will literally become the first team in the history of the league to go five straight games without a sack. Like, when when you wow. tell us as the coach that you're going to fix that yourself, and Dan Quinn's a defensive coach, his, his background is defensive line, um, and that's a failure. So those are the guys that people are most mad at. You add that to the fact that Vic Beasley is on his fifth year his fifth year of his rookie contract, so they're paying him $13 million this year. You know the more money guys make and the less they produce, the more angry fans get. So those guys have been the, the biggest target of the frustration. But Desmond Trufant has been underperforming for a couple of years since he got his big contract. Um, I mean, it, it's across the board. I mean, they, they don't have a – playmaker on defense besides Grady Jarrett in the middle of that defensive line and when nobody else is doing anything Grady Jarrett can only do so much yeah Beasley if if they can get that number moved you, you can't imagine he is with the Falcons much longer but Matt Ryan has been up and down as well he's been spectacular at some games but he's also been downright awful including against the Rams when yes he was hurt but he was terrible before he was injured, completed 59% of his passes, no touchdown, one interception. What's the health update on the ankle? Yeah, we don't know exactly whether or not he's going to go on Sunday. Uh, they say it's a high ankle sprain. They say it's better than they initially thought. So uh, I guess we'll just pay attention throughout the week. But my thought process is, and I, they're probably not thinking like this because I don't think they can afford to, but you're one in six. It's a guy you got $150 million invested into, and your offensive line is a disaster. Like, you, Matt Ryan can't protect himself even when he's healthy. Um, you put him back there with a bum wheel behind that offensive line that's been getting him absolutely teed up all year long. I, I don't know how you can justify doing that. Um, but you've also got people that are probably coaching and making decisions for their livelihoods. So uh, I, I know Matt Ryan's going to try to play, but – I wouldn't play him. I don't understand what the point of playing him would be. Your season's cooked at this point. So uh, it, it has been. It's been frustrating. He threw three interceptions. Even in the one win they have this year, he had three interceptions in that game. So there, there's a lot of blame to go around across the board, no doubt. 
Andy, what's been the initial reaction from the fans and the callers regarding this Sanu trade? Um, I think people get it. it. It's a hard thing to admit, basically. You know, it's not a white flag, but I think it's preparing to raise the white flag, essentially. Like the season, they're, they're not saying it's over, but you don't trade Mohamed Sanu if you're six and one. You only trade him because you're one and six. Um, at the same time, second round draft pick for a guy that probably wasn't going to be here next year anyway, is pretty good return. So people like him. That's the hard part. You know, when you trade guys that people show up to the stadium on Sunday wearing their jersey, the fans are going to have a reaction to that. Mohamed Sanu is one of those guys who's been here for a few years and fans really, really like him. He's a good dude and he's been a productive player as well. So um, when guys like that get traded, people are upset. But I also think a lot of level-headed people are thinking two things. First of all, good get an asset in return and and second at least they're being honest about what's happening right now you know like it it seems like it's probably over um the trade deadline is less than a week away you got to think about 2020 as much as we don't want to think about 2020 it's probably time to start thinking that way so bleacher report says that julio jones gave a big impassioned speech in the locker room sunday in support of dan quinn this man has done everything for us. It's on us. It's not on cue. Uh, look, Arthur Blank's going to say the right thing. Is there anything Dan Quinn could do to save his job at this juncture? And have you heard any names floated out there at this juncture about who could replace him? Um, you mean replace him next year, like going next forward? Year. Or if he's, yeah. Okay. Next um, year. And yes. Some of the, you know, some of the, the obvious names are out there. If you want to go hot college names like Lincoln Riley or something like that. I know Mike McCarthy's name has been talked about because he's been out of the league for a little bit now uh, after the success he had in Green Bay. But I mean, look, aside from Dan Quinn winning the next nine games um, and the Falcons winning the next nine games and making a miraculous run to the playoffs and I don't know, winning a playoff game, probably, I don't think he can save his job at this point. It's just, it's, it's unlikely that that would happen. Right. I mean, you've watched these guys play. It, it's not saying that it's impossible for an NFL football team to win nine games in a row. Teams do that. But this NFL football team doesn't look like they can win one game, let alone nine games in a row. So it seems likely that at some point, whether it's the bye week next week uh, or at the end of the season, they're going to be looking for a new coach. I don't know who it's going to be, but I would have to think that Arthur Blank, given the expectation that there was this year and given the fact that there's still a, a really solid veteran core uh, on this team you want to get somebody in here who can turn it around quick and try to get back in the race next year curious andy um i saw all the attendance numbers for the falcons and they're really bad in, in a new stadium and so i i guess i'm just wondering you know, how much of that is just the performance or how much of it is there uh, a lack of interest in this team? They're only a couple years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, and now they're struggling to get anybody in the building early in the season? Yeah, it's performance. I mean, that, that's what it is. If if they were playing good, people would be packing out the stadium. Um, you know, it's a brand-new stadium that came with PSLs, and we're all familiar with PSLs, so it's expensive to get in there essentially. Um, sorry, my 
my very mature coworker Hugh Douglas is messing with me in the background as he used to mess with quarterbacks when he played in the NFL. Thank you, Hugh. We appreciate it. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, it's performance. Like if you look at the TV ratings, the ratings are still where they've always been. People are watching. People just decide how they're going to spend their money based on the entertainment value. I mean, I think it's generally true in in most cities, but Atlanta is a city that people expect to be entertained. There's a lot of stuff happening in this city at all times. And, you know, if you're putting a boring product out there, I'm not wasting five hours on my Sunday afternoon to go down there. And I don't blame people for making that decision. So here's my question then, Andy. You're on the airwaves every day. What is the breakdown in terms of Falcons calls versus college football calls? Because you guys are in like... One of the only, if not the only, major city where college football is kind of king. So, like today or this week, what's the percentage of calls about Georgia and and college football versus the Falcons? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's nice because they people kind of respond to the question. So if we make a good Falcons topic, people will call in. If we make a good Georgia topic, people will call in. And it's nice to have those options <laughs> because I think we were planning on spending a lot more time talking about the Falcons uh, or at least positive stuff about the Falcons. And, you know, what the story now is when do they fire the coach? If they fire the coach, then what? You know, we've, we've got two months of Falcons season left where – there's not really a, like a defined. We, we, you can't really do like break down the next game when you're losing every single game. So uh, the only thing that sucks like today is Georgia and Florida don't play till next weekend. So we we'll, we'll talk about that game, but this coming weekend there's a, a little bit of a void because they they've got a buy. But yeah, it's it's nice to be able to go back and forth in that way. It's nice that Georgia's good. Thank goodness. Um, it's also nice that Georgia, not only are they are they good, but like, you know, they lost a bad game. So people are a little worried and a little on edge about who Georgia is as well. So, you know, if you're going to have a one in six Falcons through seven weeks, which no one expected or wanted, at least there's other good, interesting, like popular topics that we can jump into. Because otherwise, I don't know what we'd be doing. <laughs> Andy Bunker, 92.9, the game in Atlanta. Where's Hugh Douglas? I mean, get, bring him on in here. Hey, Hugh. Don't let him taunt you. Don't Hugh, let him taunt you like that. You got to bring him in, man. What's up, Hugh? What I do? What's going on? I don't Hugh, know. what's up, man? How are you? What's going on, fellas? Oh, Andy got that new iPhone. Look at that. That's Wendy's phone. Look at that phone. That's a sweet new phone, boy. It's Wendy's. Oh, boy. We got money. We got money. Wendy got money. <laughs> what's going on, All fellas? Right, Hugh. Good hey, you, you Douglas, you, uh, I'm curious who could get more pressure in the next Falcons game, Vic Beasley or you in your late forties? You know what? I've I got to put money on me now. I have an <laughs> oxygen machine on the sideline because I'm going to give it up to you for one play and my back's going to be real tight. But I'm going to give you one hell of a 48-year-old effort, though. I'm going to give you that effort. <laughs> hey, hey, Hugh, one more question. Do you think Andy Bunker looks like the brawny uh, paper towel guy right now with that flannel and the beard and everything? A little bit. A little bit. You know what? <laughs> well, you can't tell in this picture, but you might care. He's a little hairy. He's a little hairy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on my face, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, you got a little bit there. All right. Hugh Douglas, Andy Bunker, good to see you, fellas.
All right, man. <laughs> we got to bring them in, Ross, when you hear them taunting them. Hey, at least they have $2 hot dogs down there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's about the only thing they have going positive right now for the Falcons, huh? You know, it's funny too, Dave, because it obviously doesn't make a difference. Like, I, I think that they thought that that would help. Obviously, they got positive PR from it. But I yeah. think that they thought that that would help attendance. The Falcons have by far the lowest prices in the NFL when it comes to concessions. And I think what they're realizing is it really doesn't make a difference. Like, by the time you pay for the PSL and the ticket and the parking and you make the commitment to go, I don't think anybody's sitting there being like, you know what, should we go to the Falcons game? I don't know, Frank, they suck. What do you think, Janet? Well, they do have $2 hot dogs. Like Nobody's saying that. No, Nobody's making a decision whether or not to go to the game based on what their prices are. So you might as well just gouge them. You might as well just have $8 hot dogs, $14 beers. Once they're in the building, they got no place else to go. Told us before, Dave, I'm a capitalist. You might as well just milk them for everything they're worth because they're either coming or not based on whether the team is good. Having lower price concessions has no impact whatsoever, apparently. I thought it was pretty smart. I, I thought it at least worked, and you're right, in the short term, some good PR. And I certainly heard from a lot of Falcons fans down there for the Super Bowl that brought it up to out-of-towners. And it's kind of a bragging point for them. So I think some of those people that don't have a ton of money that sit in some of the upper levels, it is a nice luxury to have. But ultimately, they just want a winning product on the football field. $2 hot dogs are nice. And you remember, you were at the Super Bowl, man. I don't think they even raised them much for the Super Bowl. I, mean, I don't know if they were the standard level, but I was still stunned when I went and bought, I think, a, a $2 bottle of Pepsi, which blows your mind at a Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't remember what they did for the Super Bowl. I just remember after the SEC championship game, they had Chick-fil-A and it was glorious. Absolutely uh, glorious. It's a cool stadium and it's, yeah. uh, it's a cool deal. I just, you know, Atlanta, it's never felt to me like Atlanta's fans are as passionate about their pro sports teams as people in the Northeast or Midwest. Now they are that passionate about college football, but not as like, even when the Falcons were good, it just doesn't feel like they're like, they're, they're not all in. You know what I mean? That they're not like live and die with the Falcons. That much is true. All right, coming up in just a bit, we'll talk about the NBA season opener, the man they hired to win them a title, and the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, delivered in his first game against the Lakers. But first, hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on quality candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. Results like that, no wonder. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate 
within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. They are the smartest way to hire. The Clippers hired one man to bring them an NBA title, and Kawhi Leonard delivered on night number one against the Lakers. He went off for 30 points in a 112-102 win against the Crosstown. They're not calling it rival just yet. That's without Paul George. LeBron James in the game had 18 points and Anthony Davis 25. The difference in this game really was those two were good on their own. They didn't do a whole lot together. There wasn't a whole lot of pick and roll. There wasn't a whole lot of motion. They didn't seem to have found one another's pacing just yet. It's going to take some time for those two to figure it out. But ultimately, the biggest difference between these two teams comes on the bench. The lack of depth for the Lakers is going to be an issue throughout this season. Now, they don't have Kyle Kuzma yet, but who cares? The Clippers don't have Paul George yet. The other half of that dynamic duo for the Clippers team that Steve Ballmer believes will win them a title. The bench scoring in this game, astounding. 60 for the Clippers, 19 60 to 19 Clippers over the Lakers in terms of bench scoring. And it looks like that is the best team in Los Angeles, Ross. The Clippers, sorry, Lakers fans. You know what? A couple thoughts, Dave. Number one, that felt like more than an NBA regular season game. I no mean, doubt. that was like that was like back in the day in in when you're a kid, King of the Hill. You know what I mean? That was like, hey, nope. That was like the game that we used to play where you'd throw the ball up. I think they call it kill the man with the ball now. That was like a put your you-know-what on the line. Who owns this city? And the Clippers, for right now, own the city. It was a statement game. That was awesome. I mean, it really was. It was – that felt like – I mean, look, we're showing pictures here. For those of you that aren't watching, you're just listening. We're showing pictures of how fired up the Clippers were. I think part of that, Dave, might just be that it's the opener. And in any sport, opening day in baseball, first game of football, there's there's more energy, excitement, because it's the start of a new thing. And and that's always the case. But there is no question that there is a battle going on It is the fight for L.A. and the fight for Western Conference supremacy. And that was a huge step forward for the L.A. Clippers to be able to win that game, even though it was only one game. And I got to tell you, too, Dave, the other thing is I I cannot believe – this is one of the things I love about sports. Mm -hmm. There is no way when Kawhi Leonard was a young player for the San Antonio Spurs – that I would have ever told you that I thought he would be the best player in the NBA. I think he is. I think he's the best player in the NBA, period. Who else you want to throw out there? Harden and LeBron or Steph? I don't care. I think Kawhi Leonard's the best basketball player in the world. And what I love about it is how much he's improved. Because there is, I mean, he was like a role player for the Spurs early in his career. And to get to this point, 
It's really, really impressive. And it's a testament to the time he's put into his game to get to this point. I think he is the best player in the NBA as well, in particular because of the, the way he can defend and lock down anyone in the league. Don't forget what he did to the other guy that is 1B, and that's, of course, Giannis. Uh, he locked down Giannis last season, and, and that's why I give him a slight edge over Giannis, but a lot of people think he will take the next step this year and become an even better player, and let's not leave out Steph Curry, who is not a Hall of Famer yet, says Michael Jordan. We'll tell you about Steph Curry's reaction in just a sec, but first, it's clear the NBA-China dispute is not yet over as a story. I did not expect... Charles Barkley, nor Shaquille O'Neal, or anyone else on TNT's pre- and post-game coverage on night number one in the NBA to discuss the issue, figured the directive would have come down from the league. Let's try to keep the focus off of this and move past it. But credit what is probably the best pre-post-game show in all of sports. These guys don't shy away from anything. Here's Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal discussing both sides of the NBA v. China. We as American people, we do a lot of business in China, and they know and understand our values, and we understand their values. And one of our best values here in America is free speech. We're allowed to say what we want to say, and we're allowed to speak up about injustices, and that's just how it goes. And if people don't understand that, that's something that they have to deal with. But, you know, I just think thought it was unfortunate for, you know, both parties, and then you got people speaking when they don't know what they're talking about. But... No, Daryl Morey was right. Whenever you see something wrong going on anywhere in the world, you should have the right to say that's not right, and that's what he did. And but but again, you know, when it comes to business, sometimes you have to tiptoe around things. But again, they understand our values. We understand our values, and here we have the right to speak, especially with the social media. We're going to say whatever we want to say when we want to say. Well, I had a problem because the Rockets are pop. They're the most popular team. If anybody else has sent sent a tweet. It probably would, we would have raised some eyebrows, but because the Houston Rockets and their affiliation with Yao Ming, they're the most popular team in China. So that was the first thing he should have thought about. Like, I'm not just speaking for myself, I'm speaking for the entire Rockets organization. And like I say, because of Yao Ming, the Rockets are by far and away the most popular team in China. You can't come to my country and make money and insult me. We don't get to impress our values on other countries. Oh, that's my first thing. Secondly, listen, I thought what happened to LeBron was unfair. Darryl Murray had the right to say it, but he didn't look at the big picture. But I thought what happened to LeBron was unfair because LeBron was caught in the middle for three reasons. Number one, LeBron makes a billion dollars a year from Nike. Nike makes $6 billion a year in China. The NBA makes billions of dollars a year in China. All these other American companies make money in China. Why is it up to the NBA, Adam Silver, LeBron James, to ruin their financial situation when all these other companies are allowed to make money in China? Like I say, the same with LeBron. I hear all these idiots and fools and jackasses on television and radio talking about uh, bad about LeBron. He sold out for the money. First of all, there's nothing wrong with him protecting his money, number one. That's the first thing. But secondly, he was protecting the NBA's money, and he was protecting Nike's money. Why, why, why is that such a bad thing? LeBron had nothing to do with this tweet. Nothing to do with this tweet. Why should he sacrifice? Like, on all these people who criticize LeBron. So you talk, think he was being sacrificed? Uh, he Be was being sacrificed. Again. Uh, no, I'm saying, I'm talking about, no, I mean, his money again. was going to be infected by Daryl Morey's tweet. Oh, if, 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 if LeBron had a came out and insulted China, 
But, but he, he didn't. I'm saying if he didn't say anything, you think? Oh, uh, no, no. Once he said something. Okay. Uh, but my point is, if he had a trash China, it would have hurt Nike and the NBA and himself. I agree with that. But, however, China can't tell us what to do, and we can't tell them what to do. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and I agree we with that. We can send tweets. We got free speech. We can say what we want to say when we want to say it. But but we all have a responsibility to our employer, too. Yeah, yeah, what well, you want to call it selling out or whatever. Uh, I can't come well, on. T- I, don't, I can come on TV uh, and say anything I want to politically. I can't do that. Well, you've been doing it. No, 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 no. I can. No, I can joke about. I've been sitting next I, to you for I the last joke, twenty years. I can yeah. joke about basketball, and it seems longer. Uh, <laughs> it uh, does. I, but you, no, seriously, Darryl Murray. I don't have a problem with what he tweeted. Listen, Darryl Murray, is, he's done a good job, but his uh, his. His allegiance is to the Houston Rockets no, I don't, and, the, and the NBA. Listen, and he can, re, he can quit if he's not happy with it. No, he, 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 he can quit if he's not happy with it. Two of the greats of all time in a very heated, passionate discussion. Really enjoyed it. A lot to unpack there. Charles, not close on a lot of the numbers. The Rockets aren't the most popular team in China. But let's get past it to the root of the issue. Um, look, that's who Charles Barkley is. Remember who he was throughout his entire career? I'm not a role model. Charles don't care. Charles is going to protect his pocket. And look, if you want to make that argument, that's fine. That's not what LeBron did. LeBron did neither. LeBron kind of stepped in both puddles of shit. I, I, LeBron did not make one consistent thread statement throughout what he said. I would rather hear what Charles just said. If you think money is the most important thing and that's your ultimate responsibility, fine. That ain't what LeBron said. I certainly side with Shaquille O'Neal in the debate. Uh, What did you make of the discussion? Thought it was awesome. And I thought both guys made really good points. It's a terrific show. Uh, I I think it's the gold standard in terms of pregame shows. I generally can't stand watching pregame shows I'm not really much of a studio show guy, um, but that show is excellent because it feels the most authentic, the most genuine. And it felt like Shaq as well as Barkley both said exactly what they think. Um, I understand what Shaq's saying. and But I guess my issue is probably more in line with what Barkley said about responsibility to employer. You know, like, if Daryl Morey owned the Rockets, that would still be a bad look in my mind because it wouldn't be good for the NBA. You know, nobody asked him his opinion. Nobody asked Daryl Morey. He started this for really no reason. I mean, what, what, what is it, what positive... Did, did it accomplish? What positive did he think would come from that tweet? And really, Dave, if he really had guts, he wouldn't have deleted the tweet, right? Like, if the cause was really that important to him, he wouldn't have deleted the tweet. The mm-hmm. reality is, he just wasn't thinking. And he's right. You know, the people of Hong Kong, their rights shouldn't be infringed upon. I just don't think he's the right person to be sending that message given the situation. We all have to make decisions in life all the time about, you know, how much time do I spend on my money-making ventures versus volunteerism, right? Like how much money do I invest 
versus giving to charitable causes. We all have to decide what the threshold is, what the line is for us. And I think we're seeing, you know, whether Barkley makes the comments or whoever, we're seeing where they stand with it. And I think the problem with LeBron, Dave, is he was trying to more or less serve both masters, um, you know, the money (laughs) and the rights issue. And I think that that's really hard to do. I will say I'm a little bit surprised by Shaq's thoughts because Shaq is a capitalist. I mean, you can't even – I mean, right now if I turned on my TV here in my office, the first commercial would be Shaq for the general. Then it would be Shaq for Papa John's. Then it would be – I mean, that guy is securing the bag, as the kids say, as the millennials say. Um, So I'm a little surprised – that he said what he said, but he also, you know, comes from a military background and, you know, his father has helped to fight, you know, for people's rights and people's freedom. And that's something he takes really seriously. So you always have to remember people's backgrounds when you're thinking about stuff like this. And it's not just the commercials that that you see Shaquille O'Neal doing publicly. He's a massive investor in tech companies around the world. Some of those, I would think, could run afoul of Chinese business practices. So I was surprised as well because he's far more than a pitch man. He has told people that he's quadrupled his wealth. He's a really savvy business investor, but in that case is not afraid to call out China. I, I don't think Daryl Morey helped the Hong Kong protest. LeBron James, to your point, trying to serve both masters actually hurt both their causes in a way or certainly did not help either one of them. I just have to wonder, when are we going to hear from Daryl Morey? How long can he stay silent? We'll talk to our friend Landry Locker from Sports Radio 610 in Houston to start the 10 o'clock hour about when will we actually get to hear from Daryl Morey? What is his take on the whole thing? And will he survive there? You saw some images there if you're watching on the radio.com app. There was also a presence in Los Angeles, in Toronto, uh, a couple thousand protesters supporting Hong Kong at both arenas, handing out T-shirts. You couldn't really see them on the game broadcast, but they were trying to make their presence known on night number one of the NBA as the story continues to move on. Also, the Michael Jordan story is not yet done. Jordan telling Craig Melvin of the Today Show in an interview that they taped earlier in this week while drinking that new Jordan tequila that, no, Steph Curry, he's, he's not an NBA Hall of Famer. Not yet, at least. Well, finally, we got to hear a response, or not hear, but at least read a response from Steph Curry to that Hall of Fame snub by the greatest of all time. Steph Curry said, quote, I think I'm good, but then I'm never complacent. He went on to say, I don't have more to prove to myself. When you hear a guy like Jordan, who's the greatest of all time, it's funny. Since we've been on this stage, we've heard a lot of retired guys chiming in on this generation of basketball players and evaluating talent and saying their generation was better and all that. It's a great conversation for the fans to get in on. I know I'm in good shape for that, being the Hall of Fame, but I still have a lot to prove to myself. Credit Steph Curry for not really punching back or clapping back at Michael Jordan. Here is what Steve Kerr, his head coach, had to say. Michael has his own version of the Hall of Fame. (laughs) 
it's in his own head. And uh, so whatever that is, then that's what it is. I like it. I like what Michael Jordan said. I don't like that he has this bitter uh, view of the modern day players, but I guess I just like the chip on the shoulder. I like the ballroom debates about sports and Michael Jordan's take on the new era of players just kind of fuels what we do in the radio business, what they do in the television business. Look, yeah. Michael Jordan walked uphill both ways to school through a storm when he was a kid. He's that guy on and off the court. Yeah, I, I hate it. Uh, and I think Michael <laughs> Jordan should be in the Hall of Fame for assholes. Because it's just such a dick move. Yeah, why why would you do that? And by the way, I, I've heard other stories behind the scenes about Michael Jordan. Not not, oh, yeah. not real impressed. Not not real impressed with him as a human being. Um, why you would say that? I just I'm not a big believer, Dave, in people that start shit for no reason. Right? Daryl Morey, just not smart. Just not smart, Daryl, for a guy that went to MIT or whatever. And then for Michael Jordan, I don't know why you would say that. Like, w why you would go out of your way to diminish one of the best players in the NBA over the last decade? Because if you say he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, you are diminishing his accomplishments, which is just small of you. It's just so small of Michael Jordan to do that. Makes me laugh. It really does. Makes me sad. I think I think he's a sad individual. Imagine accomplishing as much as Michael Jordan did and still having to make a comment like that about Steph Curry to make yourself feel better. You know what I mean? Um, and then you have Magic Johnson's tweets, which, man, you want to talk about entertainment. I encourage everybody to follow Magic Johnson. It's unbelievable. Magic Johnson's tweets are proof that anybody can have success as a businessman. I mean, it's unbelievable when you read this guy's tweets. Like, this one makes no sense. We know Steph Curry's a Hall of Famer. Everyone relax. We know Steph Curry is a future Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan say it, couldn't say it because he would get fined by the league. Magic. I thought I was the one that played football and got hit in the head too many times. What are you talking about? He went out of his way to say Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer yet. What are you talking about? You didn't even hear the you didn't even hear the conversation. It wasn't about him being fined by the NBA. He went out of his way to say that. He didn't need to say that. Gosh. Anyway, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, you know. Magic Johnson was an abysmal failure as an executive and, and the way he left and exited the stage, basically wanted to be everyone's friend was tremendously disappointing for a guy that took the organization on his shoulders. And I'm hoping he was kidding about the tampering tweet. It's hard with Twitter when you don't actually see if there's like sarcasm or some sort of sark mark to indicate. So hopefully he knows this would not even approach tampering, but it's not entirely clear with Magic Johnson. I guess deep down, I think part of what makes Michael Jordan so great or what did make him so great as a player is that chip on his shoulder, is that bitterness. 
That's who he is. That's why he wanted to kill you. That's why he wanted to rip your heart out and stop on it as a player. And I don't mind that that has carried on off the court. Wish he took that same attitude as an executive because, boy, that has not gone so well. We're going to take a quick break here. Remember, only five minutes of commercials per hour here on Home and Home on the Radio.com app. When we come back, the latest in Ghost Gate, Sam Bradford's mic moment where he was seeing ghosts against the Patriots defense. They're not happy about it in Jetsland. We'll talk about it real quick after a break. Hey, everybody, Cody Decker here from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about 4hims.com. 4hims.com is your one stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And you know what? I'm 32, and I've been taking hymns for three weeks now. Baseball did everything it could to take my hairline away from me, whether it was just wearing a helmet, wearing a hat, or my managers just not playing me. My hair was going away. And I'm 32 years old, and I don't want to be part of this statistic anymore. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help you regrow your hair. 4Hims connects you to real doctors online. Get the hair loss treatment everybody's talking about, featured in GQ, Men's Health, Playboy, just to name a few. Not to mention, I talk about it every day on our Radio.com original Swings and Misses. Go to 4 slash swings. That's 4Hims, F-O-R-A. H-I-M-S dot com slash swings. All right, we're back on Home and Home, and the morning papers are here. You're welcome. Ghostbusters, the back page of the New York Daily News, because Ghostgate is not yet over for the New York Jets quarterback, Sam Darnold. They're not happy with ESPN. They're not happy with the NFL films allowing that clip where Sam Darnold said I'm seeing ghosts as related to the dominant Patriots defense that annihilated the New York Jets in that 33-0 win on Monday Night Football. Said Le'Veon Bell on Twitter, the NFL screwed Sammy over. There's not one player in the NFL who's cool with having every sideline conversation broadcast to millions. Adding the NFL, NFL did Sam dirty as hell. Those are the words of Le'Veon Bell. Adam Gase, the head coach, will be looking into that pretty hard. That was one of those things that was really disappointing to hear about after the game. I don't know if I've ever seen that where somebody was mic'd up, basically. A comment like that was allowed to be aired. I don't know what the hell those guys think happens when you mic up a player in an NFL game. NFL rules stipulate that the quarterback and head coach must be mic'd up by NFL Films at least one game per season. It's generally speaking going to be the quarterback who they want. It was the New England Patriots. You can turn it down. Aaron Rodgers said yesterday he has done it on multiple occasions. They don't mic up players so you can say, let's go, fellas. Let's go out there and get them. They mic up players to hear insightful things, the things they don't reveal, expletives, and things that would give away clear strategy of an organization. If you don't want those things to be heard, don't say them or at least say, nah, I'm going to pass on being mic'd up this particular week against the New England Patriots. Now, Darnold was supposed to be mic'd up against the Browns, but Mono snuck up on him. Ross, as I see it, 
Sam Darnold has one choice right now, and that is at this week's press conference, he ought to get dressed up like Halloween as a ghost, pop up behind the podium, and boo at all the media and laugh this off. If he doesn't, it will define him. It will certainly pop up anytime he goes to Foxborough. Yeah, you know what? There's a, there's a lot to be said here, Dave. The first thing that should be said in my mind is I think that there's a chance this is a brilliant move by the Jets right now. You know when your kids are little, Dave, and they get all frustrated and they're all upset or they start crying and you just change something else? Like they, they really, really want something and you're not going to give it to them. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, look at that bunny rabbit out there. And they're like, what? And they look over there. It's called redirecting, right? It's a parenting technique. I feel like that's what the Jets are doing with the, with the game for Monday night. No one's talking about the game. No one is talking about the fact that the Jets got slaughtered on national television. Everyone's talking about the stupid microphone and the stupid ghost comment. Who cares? It's not even a bad comment. You know, everybody blowing out of proportion, including the Jets, is making it out to be more than it is. I've heard quarterbacks say after the game, yeah, man, I, I just wasn't seeing things. I was seeing some ghosts out there. It's not a bad comment. It, it's not like a big negative comment. I've had a million coaches be like, don't be seeing ghosts out there. You know, make sure you know what you're seeing. It's not a big deal. The Jets are making it a much bigger deal than it is. I just can't believe they did this. The, the, the trust is broken. We're never allowing this before. Number one, I think it might be a tremendous redirect by the Jets to focus off of the fact that they got shit canned by the Patriots on Monday night. Number two, it's not even a bad comment. Who cares? He said he was seeing ghosts. Guess what? I watched the game. It was pretty clear he was seeing ghosts. It was pretty obvious. He was just throwing the ball up off his back foot for easy interceptions. Like, no shit he was seeing ghosts. No kidding. Number three, I have a crazy idea. Crazy. If you don't want your comments to be on the broadcast, wait for it. Don't let them mic you up. What are we talking about here? This is why the Jets can't have nice things. This is the only part that might be genius, if you want to say that, is is the four-year-old redirect. But the other stuff about acting like it's the biggest deal in the world and acting like the comment, I'd be like, yeah, he didn't have a good game. He was, you know, he obviously wasn't seeing things great. Saying that you're seeing ghosts is an expression. Who cares? Let's move on. I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing is so Jets, it's unbelievable. I got to totally disagree with you here. Uh, as, as a deflection method, this is a complete and utter backfire. This is a dumpster fire of a deflection effort because if you wanted to deflate this, 
uh, sorry to use the Patriots terminology there. After the game, Sam Darnold should have said, yeah, look, explain what he meant by that in a football terminology. The, the bigger problem was that Adam Gase went to the microphones and said they didn't disguise anything. They basically were in cover zero and, and they weren't doing a whole lot of confusing uh, uh, moves there in the secondary. But look, the problem now is you've made this bigger. You've made it to the point that guys are going to be wearing T-shirts. I guarantee you kids in New England are going to have one kid be number 14 and four or five of the other kids be ghosts. There are going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of ghosts in Gillette Stadium the next time uh, Darnold plays there. You, instead of making this smaller, instead of making it go away, made it Huge. You poured gasoline on the fire, Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase. You made this worse. This comment will not go away for Sam Darnold anytime soon. Unless, of course, he does what I'm asking. Dresses as a ghost in this week's press conference. Tom Brady acknowledged it on WEEI, Greg Hill's show. Uh, although I can't really tell, he said it's not typically something that I do. He usually leaves it for the other guys. Again, NFL rules stipulate that the coach and the quarterback have to be mic'd up one time per season. Begs the question, is that not the case with yeah, Tom or else Brady? What? And he also says... Or else what? what, Dave? Or else what? We What's have to mic up once a, once a season. No, I'm not doing it. Okay. Are they going to fine him? I mean, they're not fining these top quarterbacks for not wearing the mic. I've never heard of a quarterback getting fined. I think that they say they want everybody to right. do it once a year, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers does it. I don't think Brady does it. Sam Darnold, maybe he's too young to know he could have turned it down, but that's a pretty good solution that. for the next time is how about just don't let yourself get mic'd up in the first place. Well, and that, unfortunately, is the the end result here. You're going to be looking at a lot of quarterbacks who probably say no to that, probably test that rule, and choose to challenge the league on that. Presumably, they will not fight him now that the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have said that. And, of course, Brady, like the Netflix thing, says it was taken out of context, just like him coming out of a shady uh, day spa there in the Netflix clip and saying he had been there six times. Everything's taken out of context if you're Tom Brady. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take you home and home goes into a local market. We had Atlanta this hour. Next hour, we go to Houston where they're down one nothing in the World Series after Garrett Cole took his first loss since May 22nd. Also ask him about the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, the combination of their new dynamic duo uh, Westbrook and Harden, which should be fascinating. Quick break, back with Houston after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.